We thank you for your presence here today. We thank you for the word that you have to impart into our hearts. God, I pray, as often I do, that our hearts would be good soil, that the seed of your word word would go into it, God, and that it would bear a, a hundredfold fruit in this congregation and in our lives. Give us ears to hear. May we uh, receive. We just bind up every spirit of darkness that would seek to distort or discourage, uh, but that your word would go forth exactly as you intended to. And we know that your word does not return to you void, but it always accomplishes your purpose. Accomplish your purpose through your word today, we pray in Yeshua's name. Amen. So the title of my message is Adonai's Promise to Bring Change into Your Life. I'm speaking from the Haftorah portion. Irina already shared a little bit, so it's going to go along with what she shared. But this year we have been preaching through these special Haftorot. Remember uh, the seven Haftorot leading up, or the seven Shabbats leading up to uh, Rosh Hashanah all have special Haftorah portions known as uh, the Haftorot of Consolation. It's about comforting and encouraging Israel. So uh, in the past we've spoken from them also, and this year we decided to do that. So I am speaking from uh, Yeshiahu Isaiah chapter 60, and I want to start with the last verse. So you can uh, watch on the uh, PowerPoint up there, or you can open up your ebook or tree book. So Yeshiahu Isaiah 60:22 says, "The smallest will grow to a thousand, and the weakest will become a mighty, a mighty nation. I, Adonai, when the right time comes, will quickly bring it about." Once again in this passage, we see that Adonai is promising to bring restoration to the nation of Israel. Uh, these special Haftorah, as I said, that we've been looking through th- uh, during this month of Elul are all from Isaiah. And historically what is taking place is that Israel uh, is in captivity and longing to see God move on her behalf. As we read through these special Haftorah, we see that discouragement was something that easily clung to their hearts and spirits. <clears throat> Despair was not uncommon. uncommon. And in the midst of all that was happening in their lives, They even sometimes question the presence of God over and over again. And every time Adonai spoke a word uh, like what is found in our chapter today to encourage uh, our ancient people, and I believe he wants to encourage us as well today with this chapter. I told my husband, I'm I'm reading in the book of Jeremiah in my uh, readings. I said, Jeremiah is not like Isaiah. I mean, uh, up to this point, you know, it's all been gloom and doom. I said Isaiah had a lot of, you know, things uh, filtered in there to encourage. I know it's coming in Jeremiah, but where am I right now? It's not. But Jeremiah is laced with encouragement uh, to the, uh, huh? Isaiah, thank you. Isaiah is laced with encouragement uh, to the people of God, an encouragement which I believe God wants us to receive. So I want to uh, read the entire chapter. Rena read the first a few verses and a couple of others. So, and talk about nine things that I believe God wants to encourage us with today as part of his plan to bring change to your life. Turn to your neighbor and say, God wants to change your life. Okay? God never wants us to stay where we're at, even if where we're at is good. 
because there's always more that he wants to, to give into our lives. And so God wants to change your life. Obviously, for Israel, things were not good. She was in captivity, uh, devastated, etc. And God wanted to bring change. But he wants to bring change even when things are good because he wants to take us to even better. So God wants to change your life. So follow along as we read this passage. It's 22 verses. Uh, I won't repeat reading them throughout my points, but just to get the whole context. Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of Adonai has risen over you. For although darkness covers the earth and thick darkness the peoples, on you Adonai will rise. Over you will be seen his glory. Nations will go towards your light and kings towards your shining splendor. Raise your eyes and look around. They are all assembling and coming to you. Your sons are coming from far off. Your daughters being carried on their nurses' hips. Then you will see and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with delight. For the riches of the seas will be brought to you. The wealth of the nations will come to you. Caravans of camels will cover your land. Young camels from Midian and Apha, all of them coming from Shiva, bringing gold and frankincense and proclaiming the praises of Adonai. All the flocks of Kedar will be gathered for you. The rams of Nevayot will be at your service. They will come and be received on my altar as I glorify my house. Who are these flying along like clouds, like doves to their dovecotes? The coastlands are putting their hope in me with the Tarshish ships in the lead to bring your children from afar and with them their silver and gold for the sake of Adonai your God, the Holy One of Israel, who glorifies you. Foreigners will rebuild your walls. Their kings will be at your service. For in my anger I struck you, but in my mercy I pity you. Your gates will always be open. They will not be shut by day or by night so that people can bring you the wealth of nations with their kings led in procession. For the nation or kingdom that won't serve you will perish. Yes, those nations will be utterly destroyed. The glory of the Lebanon will come to you. Cypresses together with elm trees and larches to beautify the site of my sanctuary. I will glorify the place where I stand. The children of your oppressors will come and bow low before you. All who despise you will fall at your feet, calling you the city of Adonai, Sion of the Holy One of Israel. In the past you were abandoned and hated so that no one would even pass through you. But now I will make you the pride of the ages, a joy for many generations. You will drink the milk of nations. You will nurse at royal breasts and know that I, Adonai, am your Savior, your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Yaakov. For bronze I will bring you gold. For iron I will bring you silver. Bronze in place of wood and iron in place of stones. I will make Shalom your governor and righteousness your taskmaster. Violence will no longer be heard in your land. Desolation or destruction within your borders. Instead, you will call your walls salvation and your gates praise. No more will the sun be your light by day, nor will moonlight shine on you. Instead, Adonai will be your light forever and your God your glory. No longer will your sun go down, your moon will no longer wane, for Adonai will be your light forever, your days of mourning will end. All your people will be tzaddikim, righteous. 
They will inherit the land forever. They will be the branch I planted, my handiwork in which I take pride. The smallest will grow to a thousand. The weakest will become a mighty nation. I, Adonai, when the right time comes, will quickly bring it about. Wow, what a powerful, powerful passage of scripture. And if you're not meditating on these during this month of the Lul, I would encourage you to take this passage and meditate on it for those who are here Wednesday night and the youth as well as the uh, adult study in the sanctuary with Rabbi Michael. We talked about scripture meditation. And this is a good one to meditate upon the promises of God in the scripture. So I want to encourage you with these things here this morning. Again, nine things I pulled out of this passage, although there are plenty others as well. The first is that God, Adonai, will shine his glory on us. The desire of our heart, more than anything else, should be to live in God's glory, in his presence. And he encourages us in this passage that even though darkness might surround us and fill the earth, we will be those who live in his presence. In the midst of darkness, we can have ourselves centered in him. And it makes a difference uh, in how we cope and how we walk through this life. And God says, I'm going to shine my glory upon you. His glory and presence represents his favor on our lives. And we have seen this, God, uh, in the midst of chaos and darkness and, and evil that is around us, he lets his light and favor rest upon the believers and, and those who are called by his name, that people stand back and are amazed at, at the difference they see in us. And it's all because he shines upon us. He wants to manifest his presence daily in our lives, but unfortunately, we are sometimes so earthly-minded that we can go throughout the day without giving God a thought. But this is not his heart's desire. He wants us to abide in him. Think of the passage in Yochanan 15, abide in me and I in you, this reciprocal relationship and his glory resting upon us speaks partially of that. A place of sweet communion that we can experience throughout the daily responsibilities and routines of our lives. You see, that's what it's supposed to be. Again, not just, okay, I experience the glory of God when I come here to Shabbat service in in the temple. But every day to experience his glory in the midst of, uh, of my life, in the midst of my daily responsibilities, the, the job I have, you know, the laundry I have to do, the meals I have to cook, whatever your responsibilities are, God wants his glory and his presence to rest upon you in the midst of those responsibilities and commitments. His glory also represents the outpouring of the Ruach and the revival that we so desperately need as a people of God and as a nation. You know, as we prayed here Thursday night, uh, we started out praying for our nation. Our nation is uh, uh, in a desperate need of change, okay? And everything that we see in our nation, uh, our nation is definitely politicized and, and, and torn, apart, torn apart by the different political parties and beliefs and things like this. And, and again, not here to, to get into politics Because it's not about a particular party, but it's about God. This nation, righteousness exalts a nation. This nation is so far from being righteous. And so when we talk about God says his glory is going to rest in a place, he means he's going to pour out his presence and bring revival. And revival brings change to a nation. 
Amen? And this nation is in desperate need of change for the good. And that change is not going to come uh, from any political candidate. Not that you shouldn't vote. And I'm going to tell you now, as a rabbi, you better vote this fall, okay? But our hope is not in, you know, Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump. Our hope is in the God of Israel, the creator of the heavens and the earth. Amen? And so that's why when he encourages us, I'm going to pour out my glory so that revival will come. He wants to manifest himself so much more than we want it. Because sometimes we, get, again, get so involved in life that we're not thinking about, you know, God pouring out his presence in our lives. But he wants to do that. He wants to manifest. And, and we have read and we have studied here as a congregation in some of our studies in, in recent years about the revivals of past time, beginning with those that took place in the scripture down through the last 2,000 years. And whenever God's glory was manifested in a tangible, real way like that, change came. Change came on the personal level, but change also came on the national level. So God says, I'm going to bring change into your life because I'm going to manifest my glory in such a, a real way. Not that his glory is not here, but in a, in a you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Manifest his glory in a, a tangible way that we've not experienced or seen up to this point, he's going to pour, open up the heavens over this congregation and over your life to pour out that anointing. The anointing is what breaks the yoke of darkness off of you and off the people around you. The second thing that God encourages us in this passage is that part of the change that's going to take place is that the nations will come to us seeking Adonai in verse 3. People are going to be drawn to his presence in you. You know, Abigail started college this year locally at the community college, Suffolk Community College, and several of her professors and classmates have nicknamed her Smiley, you know, and talk about her smile. And we have discussed this, and I said, Abigail, it is the presence of God in you that they see. Uh, she certainly has her issues, you know, and uh, she would tell you that. And uh, But there's that smile that represents God's presence in her. And when we walk in his presence, people will be drawn to it. They're not drawn to us when we walk around grumbling and complaining and acting like the rest of the world. But when we allow his presence to be manifested in our lives, when we experience that sweet communion on a daily basis, then... It will help other people around us. When we allow his presence to change and to transform us to the core of our being. So that it is displayed in our word, our actions, and our attitudes. You understand that. You know, the word of God is meant to change you on a daily basis. Not just here again in the sanctuary where you hear a word or you go into worship and you get, begin to weep and cry and, oh, I felt goosebumps. Great. But what happens tomorrow at work? Did the word or the presence of God change and transform you? Well, that's what it's meant to do. That at the core of my being that I'm changed. So my words change. My actions change. My attitudes change. And people can see that and they're drawn to that. It made me think about the book of Acts when the uh, religious leaders called in the Talmudim and, and, uh, and, you know, they beat them for what they had uh, proclaiming the good news of Yeshua. But this is what they, they said. They took note that they had been with Yeshua. 
See, that's what people should take note of you, that you have been with Yeshua. And that will draw them to him. Number three, God encourages us through this passage that the prodigals are coming home. Amen, indeed. Most of us have a prodigal or two in our families. I certainly do. And the promise of Adonai is that these prodigals will return home. They will come back to him. And I know that some of them seem so far away from God. But you need to be encouraged, even as Rena said in her Devar Torah, when it seems like nothing is going on, God is working in their lives. So the prodigal son or daughter, the, the mother or father, spouse, that you may be believing for, you need to understand that God is working in their lives and that he will strategically place other people using them to draw them back to himself. It says that these foreigners will bring your children back to you. So God is always working to touch hearts and lives of his children. Your sons and daughters, but they're his sons and daughters as well. So God wants to encourage us. Don't give up on your sons and daughters, your nephews and nieces, your brothers, sisters, your spouses, moms and dads. But hear God's heart to restore them, first to himself and then obviously to you if there's broken relationships. Yeshua tells the parable about this, of the father who had two sons. And the younger son, you know, decided that he wanted to get his inheritance before his time. And, and he took that inheritance and, and he went and he squandered it and he ended up in the, in the pig pen, you know, at the lowest, lowest place he could be. And it says he came to his senses. Say that, he came to his senses. Okay? Often I have prayed that over prodigals, and I would encourage you. In fact, let's just pray that right now. Whatever prodigal in your life, we're going to just pray that right now. Other night, we pray for the prodigals in our life, God, in each of our families, and we pray that they would come to their senses. God, right where they're at now, Lord, like this uh, young man was in the, that pig pen, God, we pray for our prodigals, wherever they are right now, that they would come to their senses. Speak to them even now. At this moment, we pray in Yeshua's name. And when he came to his senses, he said, what am I doing eating the slop that the pigs are eating? I'm going to go back to my father. And I will just, I don't have to be his son and receive all the royal treatment. I will just, you know, be a servant of his. And one of the other favorite parts of that story to me is it says, and when the son was afar off, the father saw him. Because the father's heart was always for the prodigal to come home. And that's the father's heart for the prodigals in your life and my life. And his promise is they will return home. So stand in faith for your sons and daughters, your spouses, your moms and dads, nephews and nieces, brothers and sisters. 
God's word as the prodigals are coming home. We're going to begin to see this. The next thing that he encourages us with is that there will be an outpouring of wealth into our hands. Now, I know that life is not about the accumulation of money and wealth. But let's face it, without money, it's hard to live in this world. Amen? You can say amen. (laughs) And without money, the kingdom of God can't go forward. Sometimes it's hard to talk about money because people think it is unspiritual. 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 But God has no problem speaking about money. In fact, it's one of the topics he talks about a lot in the scriptures. And God promises here that he's going to uh, release wealth into our lives as a congregation and as individuals who are faithful in giving. The purpose, and you read these verses here, 5 through 9, is for the sake of the glory of God. God is glorified through every aspect of our lives, even through our financial situations. And we've shared this many times, and often the board members talk about this when they come to uh, speak a blessing over us when we uh, uh, give our offering and his tithe back to him. And the current prayer that we're praying is based on this scripture in Malachi. But God says, this is the one area to test him in right? Test me, he says, and, and see, you know, so he, he promises to open up the windows of heaven and pour out abundance that cannot be contained. Maybe right now you're not experiencing that abundance, but God's promise through this passage is that the wealth of the nations would come into the, the, the people of God. And he wants to encourage us today that, that he sees the needs of this congregation and of your individual life, and that he is going to take care of that need, all right? And not just take care of that need, but again, going back to Malachi, to do abundant, pour out that it cannot be contained. That means you have a lot left over, okay? And it reminds me of the story of the woman with the the cruise of oil, who had to pay her creditors, remember? And they were coming to take her sons. And so she had one little cruise of oil. And what did the prophet tell her to do? Go ask your, go get some jars and start filling them up. So that one little cruise, she started filling them up. And she ran out of jars. He said, go to your neighbors and get more jars. And she did and filled everything up. Out of one little cruise of oil, she filled many, many jars of oil. God did more than what she needed. Again, exceedingly abundantly, he promises us. So I want to encourage you, God's going to bring change in the area of your finances. But I also want to encourage you that you have to be faithful to give. It's, just, it's part of the thing. The fifth thing that I want to that I believe God wants to encourage us is that he's going to send people to support and help us. It says that people who are foreigners will build, help to build us up. Once again, Adonai can strategically bring people into your life that will impact you in ways that you could not imagine. And these people that he's going to bring into your life are going to be a source of encouragement and strength in your lives, and I believe even in this congregation. When I look around this building, I, I, some of you are new, so you don't understand the story of this building, but this building was built by volunteer help for the most part. Um, 
then the part we had to pay for is not the best part. Just saying. <laughs> Our volunteers did a much more excellent job. Anything we paid for uh, it was a little lacking in the, the quality of work. Uh, but God brought people from across this nation who came to support the vision of what God wanted to do here in Beth Emanuel, and they literally built this congregation with the help of our congregant people who were here at this time. And God wants to encourage us, and even as I look, like I look at this, this wood trim that's all around in this building. Now, all of our RVers, we had RVers for those, again, who weren't here in part of the, uh, during that season, uh, RVers were retired people who came in their RVs, camped on our site, and, and, and gave some of them months of their time. So all of them were gone, and we had no volunteers, and all of a sudden, two men showed up from Pennsylvania. We didn't contact them, we didn't call them, and they came in for a weekend, and they hung all this trim, wooden trim that you see throughout the building. And they were uh, craftsmen. And what they did in the weekend would have taken us months and wouldn't came out quite as nice. <laughs> or we would have to do it over and over again to get it that way. So God brought them in. At, the, at that time that we needed them, even though we didn't even know we needed them, they came in and they're like, what could we do? And we're like, well, you know, this, oh, yeah, we can take care of that. And again, in the weekend it was done and they were gone. Never heard from them, never seen them since. I don't remember their names, to be honest. I mean, I remember some of the RVers, but I don't remember their names. They just showed up. I remember God sending Dave to us, a volunteer who did all of the, the uh, work on the furnace and things. We used to laugh. The furnace room was the cleanest room in the building. This guy kept that place immaculate. God just brought him down. He came down uh, on a, a regular basis and, and just kept giving and giving and giving. And then there was Larry, our mitzvah mouse, we called him. Larry's from a local congregation here, and he did the, helped to do the electrical work, all volunteer time. And we would be come in on the weekend to, to do something, and it would be done because Larry showed up. And so we called him our mitzvah mouse. Anyone knows the story? Uh, you know, we have, my kids had a DVD, a Jewish DVD, and the mitzvah mouse would come and help the owner of the shop by doing things at night. So that's why we called him the mitzvah mouse. So God brought the people in to literally build this building. But God wants to encourage that he's going to bring people into your life strategically who will help you in ways that, again, you couldn't imagine in a practical way, in a spiritual way. And he's going to bring people into this congregation as well. God knows how to move people around. God knows how to bring people into our lives at the time when we need them. Again, just looking at this building reminds us of that fact. Number six, our enemies will recognize God's hand on our lives. Historically, Israel had been oppressed by many, many foreigners, and her enemies often taunted her about God's promises. This made me think of the story of Nehemiah. Remember when Nehemiah went to rebuild the, the walls of Jerusalem? 
Well, there was someone there. His name was Sanballat, and he had a few cronies with him. And Sanballat and his friends often taunted Nehemiah and tried to distract him from the work of the Lord and tried to get him and the people who were working with Nehemiah to rebuild the the walls of Jerusalem to be discouraged and to give up. And this is what the enemy tries to do. So he give he tries to put thoughts into your head and he sometimes even uses other people or even the circumstances of the world when you turn on the news you know it's hard to turn on the news today because everything is so negative there's nothing good going on in the world but we know there is good going on that just doesn't get the attention of the news right so it can be very discouraging watching that and listening to that and and again you're going through the things in your life and the enemy likes to taunt us Where is your God now? Over and over, we see that throughout the scriptures. When Israel's enemy was coming up, you know, where's your God now? Sennacherib said to Israel when he came to fight them, he says, don't think that your God is going to deliver you from my hand. I'm just going to remind you of all that I have accomplished and all the nations that I have destroyed. And he was right. He had defeated one nation after another. He says their gods were helpless to deliver them. And your God is not going to help you. But that's not true. And when the enemy taunts you and says that your God is nowhere to be found, God wants to tell you he is here. And he is going to change your life. And those who taunted you are going to be the ones who say, wow, God is with you. God's hand is on your life. Many of us have had people in our lives who have spoken words of despair and discouragement over us. And their actions were meant to hurt us and to make us to give up on God's promises. And Adonai says, all of those who despised God's purposes and plans for yours, your life, for this congregation, and spoke against it, God says they will come acknowledging his hand on your life, his presence with you. Number seven, we will be a source of joy and healing for others. This world desperately needs hope, healing, and salvation It says, our walls will be called salvation and our gates praise. The hope cannot be found in power, riches, or fame. It will not come through the plans of men. Hope and encouragement can only be found through a relationship with the living God of Israel. And through our lives, we are to bring joy to others as we lead them to the Messiah. The walls of this sanctuary will be called salvation. We believe that there is a season coming when, like in the book of Acts, daily numbers of those being saved will be added to the kingdom of God through your lives, through this congregation. Can someone say amen? Amen. God wants that. He wants salvation to take place. I shared last week, and I will keep you up to date on this. We were interviewed for an article in the Messianic Times. Uh, They are contrasting East Coast, West Coast congregations. So they picked a congregation on the West Coast 
and they picked a congregation on the East Coast, and we were uh, that congregation. And uh, so the uh, writer sent a, a copy, of a rough draft of her article, and I'm reading through it, and both uh, she asked both us and the rabbi uh, there on the West Coast about outreach, and, and both our congregation and his congregation talked about how we are, you know, to be that light uh, to the community around us, and that God wants salvation to take place, and that people would be drawn in to this place, not for the sake of them coming in, but for the sake of them encountering the living God of Israel. Amen? And there is a time when I believe that it is possible for 3,000 Jewish people to come to faith here in New York, as it did in the book of Acts. Salvation. Salvation. Our gates will be called praise. This is a place where Yeshua is lifted up as we worship and magnify him as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. She asked us about our worship uh, uh, services, and we said it's Yeshua-centered. I said we do, you know, Rabbi Michael, I said we do uh, liturgy, contemporary music, but the main thing is uh, we are centered on Yeshua. I remember, and then we shared the story with her, I remember Rabbi Michael was asked to lead Worship. We had the a rabbis meeting here. All the rabbis from the northeast came in to. Uh, we were there with the Rabbi David and Helene at Shuva Yisrael. They hosted the rabbis meeting, but they asked Rabbi Michael to lead worship, and so he's leading the worship. And uh, one of the Rebbinsons came back to me because I was his sound man, and uh, just said, "Do you guys always sing about Yeshua?" And I'm like, uh, "Yeah," but it was like a, an odd thing that you know. Uh, that, that, that his focus would be Yeshua. But Yeshua said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. So our worship is Yeshua-centered. We do it in Hebrew, as you've seen today, and in English. We brought in a little more Hebrew recently. That's why I sign up for the Hebrew class, <laughs> so you can learn to read it. But we understand that a lot of people don't understand Hebrew, and for worship to be meaningful, you have to understand what you're doing. So that's why we have the English translation up there as much as we can. But he is to be high and lifted up. We are to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of the Lord. And all of our liturgy and, our, and, and most of the liturgy, even as we're going through, uh, we have several moxors that we're going through. You know, the liturgy and the, the traditional prayer books are often from the Psalms and, and then the scriptures. So it's all focusing in on God. And so we can join in and worship and lift him up. So salvation, our walls are salvation, our gates are praise. This is what is going to be here. We're going to continue to lift up his name. And as my husband said last week in his message, and if you didn't hear his message, Singing in the Rain, I sent you a link to it. Go to the podcast and listen to it. We need to be those who sing and rejoice, lifting up the name of the Lord. Number eight, the days of desolation and rejection are over. Whew. He says, I'm going to do an exchange in your life. He says, I'm going to give you gold for bronze. I'm going to give you iron for silver and bronze in place of wood and iron in place of stones. 
You see, God says, where there is fear, I'm going to give peace. Where there's anxiety, I'm going to give security. Where there's despair, I'm going to give you hope. Where there is rejection, I'm going to give you acceptance. He wants to do an exchange with you, and what he offers you is so much better than what he's going to take from you. The things you are holding on to only serve to hinder you and keep you from the destiny on your life. The exchange can only take place if we let go of these things and receive what he wants to give us in their place. Even in the Haftorah last week, and through all of these special Haftorah, we, but we were encouraged that there will be uh, no more barrenness, that a season of fruitfulness is coming. Again, that would exceed what you could imagine. You're going to open up your eyes. And again, there was about the barren woman, seeing a barren woman. And, and you're going to open your eyes and you're going to see all these children. And you're going to say, where did these children come from? How did this all happen? Because God says the season is ending. I shared this recently in a message when my husband was gone in August uh, to the meeting he had to go to. Where were you at? Oh, in Louisville, Kentucky, right? For the NJF. I got up and was having my devotionals and I put on a video and I'm sharing this story again because it just goes right here with this message and uh, a video to worship. And at the end, the gentleman went into open worship, just singing from his heart, not the lyrics of a song. And he just began to sing, there is light and at the end of the season you are in. And what God was saying here to Israel and what he's saying to us is, there's light at the end of this season. Someone can say amen. The season is, is almost over. No more desolation. No more barrenness. That's going to be over, and instead you're going to come into a season of fruitfulness. And if we continue to read in chapter 61, God further expands this exchange by telling us he's going to give us beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. God wants to give us new things, and he's been encouraging us this month with these special have to wrote about this. So let's receive in our hearts what he wants to do, new things in our lives in place of the broken pieces. No more desolation, no more abandonment, more, no more rejection. I'm going to do new things, he says. And number nine, the last thing, that we are going to inherit the promise of Adonai in our life. He says that the children of Israel will inherit the land forever. That is why I know in the midst of whatever happens politically and our leadership in this country, unfortunately, is not taking a stand with Israel, which is not good. Just, you know, those who bless Israel will be blessed. Those who curse Israel will be cursed. Woe to those who try to parcel out the land. That's another whole message, but I'm just telling you, it's not going to go well putting pressure on Israel like that. But no matter what happens in the world, I know that I know because of this scripture and many others that that land is securely in the hands of the Jewish people. Amen. <laughs> though the nations press against her, though political leaders put pressure on her to do this or that, God's word stands true when he says that my people... Israel, the Jewish people, will be established in this land forever. That's their inheritance. That's the promise he made to Abraham, the first Jewish person. He says, I'm, I'm going to give you a land, and I'm going to make your descendants 
to be numerous. Okay? And he repeated that promise to generation after generation after generation. And now in our generation, it's a reality. They are back in the land, and that land belongs to our people. Amen? But as Rena said, it's a spiritual principle for us to apply in our lives. We know this whole passage applies to Israel. But God wants to encourage us that he will fulfill his promise in our lives. God is the first and the best promise keeper. He never goes back on his word. Never, ever, ever, ever. The things that we read about in the scriptures, the things spoken of in this chapter, are all things that he has and will continue to bring to pass for the Jewish people, but in our lives as well. So God wants to encourage you and me and this congregation this morning and those who may be listening on the podcast, don't despair of his promise for your life, no matter what you see in the natural. It doesn't matter what you see with your natural eyes. God says that his promises are yes and amen in Messiah Yeshua. We simply need to believe and trust in him. And God says, you will inherit my promises over your life. I want you to think right now of one of the promises that God has spoken to you personally. Grab hold of it. Got it in your heart. I have it in my heart. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm believing for the promises he has spoken over this congregation. Many of you have heard those promises, so that's in my heart and mind. And God says to take that promise right now, and he says to you, that promise is something that you will indeed inherit and receive in your life. Amen? Well, how will this happen, Rabbi Carol? We're going to go back to the verse we started this message with, and Rena included this in her Devar Torah as well today. Verse 22. The smallest will grow to a thousand. The weakest will become a mighty nation. I, Adonai, when the right time comes, will quickly bring it about. The Hebrew word here, to quickly bring it about, means to hasten or to accelerate. It also has this connotation to be eager with excitement about doing it. So you can understand the heart of God. He is eager to fulfill his word. He says, my word does not return to me. Isaiah 55, you know, as the the rain comes down from the heaven, so my word does. And it will not return to me void, but it will accomplish what I sent it forth to do. So when God has spoken a word of release over your life, God spoke today that the prodigals are coming home. That's a promise, okay? He says, my word will not return void. When he talks about financial blessing, when he talks about the salvation of our Jewish people and the walls being called salvation and praise, that there will be a time and the visions that were given to many who came in here during the whole building process when there won't be one empty seat in here, where there will be people lined out the doors. You know, and even my daughter, when she was little, had a vision of TV screens in the parking lot where people were watching the service. All of that was God speaking about what he wants to do. And God says, I will fulfill my promise in your life and in this congregation. I'm eager to do what he says. And at the right time, I'm going to accelerate it. The plans for this congregation and for our lives. The problem for us is that we are often feeling that he has missed the right time. 
Anyone besides me feel like that? I mean, I've had a few conversations with God. You know, the right time really could have been like last week or last month or last year. I know maybe nobody else does, but... But throughout scriptures, he encourages the people of God that he does have an appointed time for change and his promise to be fulfilled. And that's what we should focus on. And the encouraging aspect from this verse is that he will accelerate what he wants to do in our lives. And friends, to me, that is something to look forward to and to meditate upon. I can get focused on when's the right time, when's the right time, or I can get focused on he is going to accelerate and quickly do what he has promised and put my focus on that. And that's what I want to encourage you the, this morning to do. So even though today everything may seem small and insignificant, and even though you may feel weak and inadequate, Adonai says things will change. Turn to your neighbor and say things will change. The smallest will grow to a thousand. The weakest will become a mighty nation. And we simply need to stand in faith, shake off discouragement, hold on to the promises of Adonai, and watch him perform his word on our behalf as a congregation and as individuals. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Adonai, we thank you for your word. God, I thank you that it is powerful, God. Because you are a powerful God. And I thank you that you always fulfill your word. Not one promises, not one of your promise have you ever not fulfilled God. And I thank you, Lord, that you're not going to start now in our life and in our generation. So, God, we are encouraged by your message this morning that our lives are going to change, that you have a plan to bring change into our lives. And, God, we're going to stand in faith to see those changes take place. We rejoice in your encouragement to us this morning. We receive it, God. Just take a moment to receive. Just literally, just I embrace what you have spoken to me this morning, God. We embrace it. We receive it into our hearts. Amen. I'm going to bless you with ironic benediction. Uh, and uh, may your Shabbat be blessed. Make sure you see Robin for the holiday refreshments if you haven't talked to her yet. Uh, and remember, next week we're going back to our schedule, prayer from 2 to 3, Hebrew 3 to 4, high holiday services. A week from tomorrow is Erev Rosh Hashanah. We are excited. Again, we've been putting the service together. I think you're going to be blessed. Come, bring someone with you. Let me close with this blessing, and then Rabbi Michael will... Uh, close with a song. Yevarechacha Adonai v'yishmerecha. May Adonai bless you and keep you. Yeir Adonai panavaleka v'kuneka. May Adonai make his face shine on you and show you his favor. Yisa Adonai panavaleka v'yasim lecha shalom. May Adonai lift up his face towards you and give you peace. May you walk in the peace of Adonai. May your heart be encouraged that he will accelerate his plans on your behalf in this congregation. Amen. Thank you.